Hello, my name is Taylor Clement, Head of School at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the Assistant Head of School at Kirk Day School. And today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a conference that uh, you just attended, yep. Taylor, yep. and kind of get the, the overhead of, of what you learned and what you brought back. And this is really going to focus on kind of the future of Christian education. Yeah, and I, and I think it's important to know it's not just, hey, what did Mr. Clement learn? But uh, I think there's a bit of a method to our madness in, in understanding both market viability uh, locally, nationally, as well as what do we need our kids to learn. Because what we want is we want our foundational theology, our doctrine, to stay the same. We don't want that to change. Um, but we do want our methodology to change for, for children over the years. Because obviously the, the educational world that they're living in is vastly different than the world that we grew up in. But we also know that the truths that, that, that God has established in His Word have not changed mm -hmm. uh, over that time. So how do we balance that kind of moving forward and where's Christian education going, be it legislation or, or just best practices, that sort of thing. Uh, all of that are things that we try and sink our teeth into and this is kind of my at least annual learning experience to, to boost us and to really drive some vision uh, towards answering some of those questions. Sure. So tell us where you were. What is CISA, what does it stand for? Yeah, so we're only a provisional member of CISA, and I, and I want to make that clear. Uh, that's something that we kind of agreed to say, you know, uh, when we join up in any capacity. But CISA is a, the Council for Educational Standards and Accountability. And what that goal is, is to basically be the varsity level, the higher level Christian education, so organization, really nationally. These are the top schools uh, in, the, in the nation. These are the ones that, that we aspire to be or those that, that have best practices or they have um, you know, some of their best teachers. They've done some innovative things. How, how are they doing that and succeeding? And it's really to come together, not in competition with one another, but really to support one another and, and benefit. And it's really interesting. Um, I even went to, to a session with, with a guy from Mount Perrin Christian Academy in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Mount Perrin is a powerhouse. They've got an incredible campus. They've got an incredible mission, and, and on and on uh, it goes. They kind of seem like the perfect Southern Christian school in almost every capacity. Yet, and in just a small conversation, he realized we were doing something they weren't, and he was going to take that idea mm -hmm. back, and vice versa. We've mm -hmm. done that. So it's it's really a, a collegial, collaborative environment mm -hmm. for us to feed off of one another for the kingdom. Yeah. And that's with a capital K, for the kingdom of Christ. And that's what gets exciting about, the, about so something like this. It's like an all-star team that's like trying to help each yeah. other hone their skills rather than compete against each other. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And and it's it's neat. Uh, it's 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 kind of those friends that you have um, across the country. You get to come together, and you know, it's it's um, there's a head there from from Seattle that I know, um, another one from Los Angeles, uh, you know, another guy that, that I know, um, and they came from from New York area. You've got another one that was from South Florida, and everywhere in between. Of course, we represent the right smack in the middle in the yeah. heartland of St. Louis. But yeah, it's, it really is what's happening um, and to offer those things. So it's fun. One of my friends that's a head of school in, in California, we, we toured the Capitol together. Mm. And it's fun, you know, at least with the, the full Americana uh, uh, history and, and everything else that, that's, that's in there to know that we're here in Washington, D.C., 
to tour the nation's capital, both for Missouri and California, yeah. all for the glory of God. Yeah. You know, while we're while we're learning more about it, and uh, and that's that's a special thing. Yeah, it definitely feels like you're part of something bigger. Yeah, for sure. Really cool. So, what was one of your favorite? kind of breakout sessions um, or big t- big talks that, that you heard while you were there? Yeah, um, I would say the, the, there were two, two things that really stood out as we look at Kurt Day School, what, what was the most impactful. The first was the changing face of the Christian school mm-hmm. family. And so we took four people, uh, sidebar here, yeah. to CISA this year. We took myself, uh, Jennifer Rush, our assistant head for advancement, Dr. B.J. Weimer, our assistant head for academics, and Julie Schaffner, our uh, middle elementary department chair and of course beloved third grade teacher Mm -hmm. and the the idea was was to take that group you of course went last Mm -hmm. year uh, with me Uh, you and I presented on peacemakers Mm -hmm. which was which was a lot of fun but this year what what I was really interested in is how can we be looking in in more in the future so we've received a lot of feedback right now from surveys and we're Mm -hmm. gonna eventually Mm -hmm. have a podcast where we kind of update our families on what we're learning and how we're going to both change and why we do certain things that I think would be really help, healthy. Um, but in the changing face of the Christian school family, what we know is our society has changed drastically within yeah. the last 10, 20 years. Yeah. And if you do any type of force multiplier, right, to, to the mind of a child, it's even more exponential. And so it just really started, this guy was Steve Kyle, he was, he was uh, the guy from Mount Perrin in Atlanta, Georgia. He, he said, you know, let's compare the norms of a 2005 Christian school to a th- 2018 Christian school. So let's give 13 yeah. years. And, you know, it's still post 9-11 uh, yep. as far as one culture marker. But the other is, is you're really looking at two generations mm-hmm. uh, of parents. Um, 2005, a lot of our current parents were early in their career, college, some even younger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then upwards of today of kind of kind of where we are. But really three things came out of this. In 2005, you had a marriage was between a man and a woman. Uh, there was higher church attendance nationally, and there was an inherent trust in the school or governing authority by which you, you submitted to. You didn't have a lot of the movements, such as you know an Occupy Wall Street or a Not yeah. My President or a Me Too even. And while some are righteous and just and some have some great integrity behind them, others necessarily are against some of the principles that we stand for as believers. He compares that then to really 2018, and what we've seen is... is Again, for better or worse, there's a stronger desire today with students and families for more equity, mm-hmm. um, but Christian education has become more consumable, and there is a less church population, and that there's less commitment to going to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, furthermore, though, mm-hmm. I think on the positive that we've seen um, a, a, an individualized, rather, attention for our students to where we can tailor the education to them, but in the kind of the, the positive to the negative is we're also seeing a higher uh, rise in anxiety. Sure. And so how do we yes. as a school adjust to these things? Because I don't think our, and truth be told, our mission statement has not changed from 2005 to 2018. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the populations that have come through the school have in, in certain capacities. Uh, now this isn't just for Kurt Day School, this is national. Across the right? board. So, so I want to be clear in that. But national norms do affect the way that we are either governed by accrediting mm-hmm. agencies and authorities, or they're going to affect our clientele because we are getting into a, a smaller world, so to speak, in, in an internet age. That's interesting. You talk about how education has become more consumable, and one of the advantages, or one of the things that we've really grown in over the last 13 years 
is our attentiveness to the individual student. And I can see how those could be at conflict at times because if you walk in and the school's not attending to every need of the child individually, well, education is, cons I can just go out and right. change my. Well, I mean, let, let, let's take media for an, just a, a brief example. You can sign up for Netflix at any point. Yep. You can do that with Amazon Prime. You can do that with Hulu. You can do that now with a lot of DirecTV and the yep. streaming providers. It's changed the game in the way that we interact within an economic marketplace. Definitely. Because we don't really have to sign contracts and, and aren't necessarily bound to those in a contractually quite like we once were. Sure. Uh, in comparison to when you would sign up for DirecTV, you would still pay, you know, let's say a $200 installation mm -hmm. fee, you, and they might be kind and waive the dish fee, but then you have, you know, a two-year contract yeah. to, to sign on. There's a commitment right. involved. We've really gotten away from that. Yeah. Uh, and because we, we have such a diverse marketplace, and the same holds true in a lot of educational situations, we've seen the educational marketplace rise and fall, you know, between charter schools or, you know, other independent schools that, that, that have emerged. There's for-profit schools, non-for-profit, there's sectarian, non-sectarian, parochial. Um, the beat goes on, right? Sure. And, and so I think that's something that, that we have to, to be resolved in doing, and both our board and myself as, as a head of school. So, other than kind of noticing those differences between 2005 and 2018, what were some of the other big takeaways that you had from kind of the future of Christian education? Yeah, I, I think one, and, and our board's done a really great job of this, um, I'll, I'll quote uh, Jay Ferguson, he's the head of Grace Christian School in Tyler, Texas, and, and Jay is a, is a former attorney, and he's, he's been president of CISA, he's just a really wonderful, godly man. But he, in talking about millennial parents, uh, because that is our next generation of parents here that will be coming up. Yes, yep, thank millennial you. parent right That's here. right. Um, is number one, we have to make sure we have to make sure that we are aiming to become a better school with more authenticity. Hmm. And I want to be clear. Yep. Uh, I think I think a lot of times parents um, can can find things to be critical of. In, in a hiding way uh, that, that I would say is a borderline between privacy and misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's certain records and things that I need to keep private just in, in good due diligence and, and certain laws that I need to abide by. On the other hand, we want to have the utmost integrity at every level, um, such you know, that I'm evaluated every year by the board, that the board does a self-evaluation. How, how do we have those things come out? But as millennials come up, they've grown up in an age of information you have mm -hmm. and by the way just to be clear um, it's so funny depending on the data that you see I'm either a hundred percent millennial or I'm Gen Y or something yeah. I don't know yeah. personally but there's there's new opportunities for us right there's new opportunities yeah. to keep our costs down how can we be an effective but affordable option I don't want to see our tuition go up every year there is a reason that we do that and that can be for another time and place but if we do it can we do it with intentionality and can we also put in vehicles that help offset the rise in tuition that even if we have to raise the tuition holistic that the rise in the amount that we're putting into financial aid is exceeding the amount that our tuition is, is rising by and so there's a lot of economics in here not just pedagogy that sure. goes into the development of how a school is going to operate not just five or ten years from now but for a next generation of Christian students because you're seeing a real importance for the millennial parents on the cost 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. We have to be mission driven. Number one, they want to see us have integrity. The, the crazy thing with, with millennials is they're, they're going to have a higher atheist population than we've mm -hmm. ever seen. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe this came out of the, the Barna study. Pew just um, did a research on it too. Yeah, and then Pew Research the Foundation, they're, they're doing the, this as well. They're going to become less Christian with a higher church dropout rate. They're going to have less discretionary income. However, they have a greater desire for community in Jesus than any other organization mm. or, or, or other generation. And so if you're, if you're putting those two things against, it seems like they're juxtaposed. But if you step into it in the right way and you say, no, we are going to be committed to, to our mission, we are going to make sure that, that we are working on diversity, uh, both you know, ethnically as well as how we're empowering our faculty to have a, a more diverse understanding of education, understanding of the world, while still holding true to our biblical principles. Um, being affordable, making sure that we're having new opportunities for Christian education in ways that we haven't thought before, but it's going to challenge us to stay authentic, to stay as a community, and stay t aimed towards Jesus. We do not need to change that, um, and that's something that is really, really essential. Yeah, it's really interesting to me as I listen, because being a millennial parent, I do value authenticity a lot, and, that, yeah. and that's not just yeah. because of the fact that I'm a counselor. But, yeah, that's a huge trend that you see within millennials is we want to know what our organizations are doing behind the scenes. Well, and I think a lot of that comes out of, and not, not to stay too heady here, but, you know, going to the 2007-2008 yeah. financial crisis when 100%. you saw, you know, you know the, the banks like Lehman Brothers and others yep. go under and you saw the, the, the ballooning of, of mortgage rates and, and, and deflation and everything else that, that was thrown in. I'm just yeah. throwing out economic words at this point. But the idea is we saw what happened behind the scenes and we didn't trust it. Yep. And then we have, of course, Hollywood pointing into that with, with yep. Wolf of Wall Street yep. or, or we have, you know, different movies, you know, Heck, even even go to you know all the president's men yeah. of, of you know um, the Washington Post and the Watergate Big scandal. Short, all right, that kind you of have stuff. all yeah. these different different stories that have come out where it shows deception and greed, and we we have this inherent now distrust of government of institutions because we think, man, they've done this you know to us and and we're affected by it. Mm -hmm. The common man's affected by it, and while that is very true, now in this distrust, who will we? will we trust, not just with our children, but with our finances. Yes. And and that that becomes a very yeah. weighty thing to wrestle with in how we're going to carry our future. Definitely. And it's interesting because I, I as a millennial, um, but also as a critique of my own generation, we do distrust authority, but man, do we crave it. We, we want structure. We want bounds around us. Um, but we're very distrustful. Well, and another of it. and another thing that came out in the early two thousands around the economic crisis, let's not forget, was un the incredible, sad, and unfortunate Catholic Church scandal. Oh, I was. And so, yes. so now, not only do you yeah. have a distrust in the authority of government and banking institutions that are controlling your money, yep. but now the religious institutions mm -hmm. you have an inherent distrust against because you don't know sure. what could and could not have sure. happened. And I do not at all want to want to to throw or paint with a broad brushstroke mm -hmm. with our Catholic brethren um, at all uh, in that. But there there were these things that just kind of multiplied, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you do have these generations that not only were they they experiencing these uncoverings at the same time, but they're living in the information yeah. age, 
and so they have access and not just from the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal but from the Huffington Post mm -hmm. from you know the Drudge Report from Fox News CNN MSNBC whatever you want to put in there they're all covering these things and so you have an inherent trust with the church the bank the government on and on that goes yeah. and it puts us in a very yeah. very um, uh, yes, strong position of distrust. And we can Google everything now. So it's like if I want to get to know somebody, I'll just Google them and see, you know, okay, what do they look like? What right. does their kind of social media life say about them? And that's a that's a new and different environment. It absolutely is. So it's interesting to me. You said church attendance is going down, but but millennials still want Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So what do we make of that? Right. So another person, and again, why why I go to something like this uh, isn't just to um, hear, but but to interact and engage with mm -hmm. others. But um, another person we got to hear was a, a gentleman named Rich Stearns. He was the former president of World Vision, a very large nonprofit, yeah. one of the largest in the world, quite frankly. Um, and and he was talking about this, but he said as we continue to see this distrust grow that the number one thing that, that people want is gospel authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so while the distrust is going, who can you trust? And quite frankly, the one person is Jesus. But let's be real, faith can be very difficult. If we mm -hmm. can't see it, such as Thomas did, I want to see the holes in his hands yeah. and the hole in his side and, and put, put my fingers there yeah. is, what, is what Scripture tells us. What can we do um, to do that? And the church hasn't done a good job of it historically. Yeah. So take the Catholic Church aside. One of the things that, that he said he called, and, and this is all from Rich Stearns, each generation has created a false Jesus, he said. There is a judgmental Jesus mm -hmm. that, that gives us finger wagging. Um, there's actually a few tr uh, trucks that I've noticed going up and down uh, mm -hmm. uh, 64 as well as uh, 57 once you get into Illinois. And, um, and then there's a picture of a guy, and he's got this very angry look, and it said, did you go to church today? It's like, what? Yeah, so, so you have judgmental Jesus, you have prosperity Jesus, which has a lot of people yeah. thinking very, very unfortunately um, about their own prosperity in life, almost like a good luck Jesus, so to speak. You have a rubber stamp Jesus. As long as you check in, you can go back to sinning. You mm. have the American Jesus, which means it is the country and the United States of America in the short term over the eternal kingdom, which mm. we see a lot happening, and, and I mean, I'm definitely guilty of that. Mm -hmm. And then we have the political Jesus, where... The morality uh, factor is greater than the heart factor in how we act. Um, there's good and bad, quite frankly, in all of this. Yeah. So how do we affirm and critique it? But what Rich Stearns really said is we have got to to embrace the, the two great commandments, and really the great commandment and the great commission. And so you know, when we demand the love of Christ, we're going to draw people to the love of Christ, or the cross of Christ, rather. So I'll say that again. When we demand the love of Christ, we draw people to the cross of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so how can we do that in a non-judgmental, loving way? We'll get to the truth eventually, but we need to be patient, and we are living in a very impatient world. Yeah. Amen, amen. It's, you know, when, when we talk about church attendance going down, but the need for Jesus rising, it also, and again, being a millennial, it is so hard to find community. Yeah. Um, and something that I feel like we're really striving for, or we really want and need, but don't know how to do that, and school can become that. That's yes. a great opportunity. And I could also maybe hear some challenge of like, well, shouldn't your community be the people that you're with at church? 
you know. Yeah, and, and I would say, you know, I, I'm blessed to, to sit on the session here at the Kirk, and, and I'm an elder, and I would do a lot of work with, with Ben as our senior pastor at the Kirk of the Hills. But, you know, the school is not to be the church. Number one, we're not to be the church. We are to be a part of the church. Yes, we are a parachurch organization. Mm -hmm. Yes, but we are not to be the worship and embodiment of the church. Sure. Um, that, that's not our goal. But I think we can foster community. We, mm -hmm. we try to do it, you know, things like the color run are great, um, but when you have a class party and you're teaching kids how to get along or discipline process, and I know where you haven't really hit on the academic side of some things yet, but I think so much of where our kids are going to go academically start with this conversation. Of course, of course. So let, let's not miss that. I'm happy if somebody, you know, if we don't get to that today, I'm happy to unpack a little bit more later uh, on the, on the uh, pedagogical side. But when it comes to, to that question, I think the church and school are, find it somewhat at odds with one another mm -hmm. because parents are desiring for their kids to have this moral compass and background. But maybe not on Sundays, right? Yeah. You might have a few other things to do. School's mandated by, by state law, so that, that's helpful for us. It's not to go to church. Yeah. And I think when we have to choose, sometimes the school becomes the church and the church becomes an option. Mm -hmm. And that's not what's happening. And so we've seen in different markets where churches really are against Christian schools because they're seeing people leave church to go to a Christian yeah. school. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's a very unhealthy dynamic that, that has unfortunately evolved. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. If anything, what we want is people who are coming to us, and we have plenty, uh, at times that they're you know making church transitions or that they're they're definitely in a process of, of finding a home church we want to point them more to that mm -hmm. than away mm -hmm. from it definitely and you know what I what you said at the beginning and you said this quite a few times over the past week that I just it has really struck me as the market changes and as we have a new generation of parents coming up that we don't we don't change the foundation and the doctrine from which the Bible doesn't change, right? And the way that we interpret the Bible doesn't change, but that the practice, the methodology of how we adapt to this changing culture, um, is where we need to ask some hard questions, yeah. and they, those are hard questions right. because it, we definitely don't want to sway with the culture because the culture is ever changing. Um, but I, I think that's a really important point and just something I've been reflecting on a lot is, you know, where is that line? How do we find that balance between maintaining who we are in our identity and seeing that that's welcomed by this next generation? Um, but also realizing that we, we have a responsibility to adapt and be flexible and learn from the generation coming up. Right. Notice, you know, the phrase that I use, and I give Ben, ben Porter credit for this, and, and he takes this from Reform University Ministries, and, um, which is, is definitely a, a really, really great program. But it's, it's foundational or solid doctrine mm -hmm. with flexible methodology. Not broken, mm -hmm. right? Not bendable necessarily, but just flexible and, and how we're going about that. And, and I think those, those two things have to work in unison. Yeah. Uh, in order for that to move forward. So one last question. What excites you about the future of Christian education? Mm. I think um, we have an opportunity to equip a generation more than ever 
to change the world and to do it for Jesus. And I think we can have a, a where societally we've seen a lot of postmodern thought push away from Jesus. I think if you raise these kids in, in a right mindset and you raise them focused on Jesus and, and teaching them with a Christian worldview like the, the school has done for 27 years, which is so humbling to, to say that. But if, if we can continue to do that, you're gonna have children truly change the world for Christ and to make Christ very attractive, not in a way that is a prosperity gospel or American Jesus or for voting and things like that, but a Jesus that is authentic, that will play out in the faith. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and I want to I want to go on this for just a second, and I'm, and I'm monitoring our time, so I want to be clear, though. Maybe the best thing that occurred uh, um, on this trip was we, we were able to attend um, a session of the Trinity Forum. And the Trinity Forum is, is a high intellect uh, discussion in Washington, D.C. Uh, it, it's attended by a lot of kind of D.C. intellects who are for Jesus mm-hmm. and who are believers. And so the person that, that they interviewed, or the persons, were, were uh, James K.A. Smith. He's, he's a professor at Calvin College in Michigan, and Elizabeth Bronig, who is an uh, editor for the Washington Post. And they were talking about St. Augustine and, and just the, you know, how his 4th century writings um, are still being criticized today, which is kind of amazing, but also the, the impact that, that his thought has had on Western society. Now, that seems really heavy for somebody yeah. that runs an elementary school to a certain <laughs> extent, but... When we step back, what, what they were getting at was so much of modern society is what Augustine was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you start with some of his earliest writings and confessions, you had a sinner who was lost, who was lost, who was mm-hmm. lost. And in the quote scripture, you know, vanity, vanity, you know, yeah. um, you know, and you chase the wind and you chase in vain. And that's what he was doing, right? And and basically what, what James Smith argues is that postmodern thought has pushed us so far to freedom that the freedom that we seek is, is really the freedom of an addict. And when you think about the freedom of an addict, what is that? If you have anyone in anything that's using, it's that there is an unlimited supply and that you never have to stop. And when we think of phrases and, and marketing campaigns such as you do you, you be you, love who you are, and things like that, they're not bad in and of themselves, but they can they can send a very wrong message to someone who's trying to run from God. And and James Smith went on to say in a very 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 beautiful way that he said, you know, often the 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 irony that we think or the bars that are enslaving us are really the scaffolding that are holding together. And so I think about that and think how often our children. Uh, particularly our students are wanting to, to, to think differently, do th- things differently, and we as parents guide them and say, no, you need to stay in here, you need to do this. When we give them that scaffolding and when we give them that ability, it really boosts them to, to take them to the right place, not, not to imprison them, not yeah. to hinder them from doing that. It, it's a healthy place to be, and we know that, and we can, we can go on off of that, but I thought that was so interesting because postmodern thought does say, hey, you know what? whatever you want whatever you want just do it just choose yeah but we forget that structure and boundaries actually give us security they do yes there's a big difference between security and imprisonment yes yes and it and and i find in myself and also with kids what is that what is that balance right Right, and, that, and that's a tough question to ask. But I think because of that, because we're, we're seeing kids who need boundaries, who need structure, they, they need it in the, in the mundane, they need it in, in the major life decisions, 
if we can work together as adults who say, look, it is a broken world in need of Christ's redemption, no question. If we can raise these kids with that thought in mind and teach them, teach them these precepts of you know what postmodern thought uh, is and the, and the 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 joy and the the, the angst with it, um, as well as making sure that they're founded on Scripture, yeah. we're going to have an authentic generation that understands the the evils of this world but can still help it redeem it for Christ mm-hmm. and His kingdom. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a powerful thing. That's by far what excites me. And we're going to be able to redeem it and just to go to the education route for a second with more information, mm-hmm. with smarter kids. With, with more technological advances than we've ever seen or could have dreamed. And that's a really amazing thing. Yeah. Right? I that guess. is a really, really amazing thing. And I think we're going to see um, a giving. I think we're going to see generosity mm-hmm. continue to increase. I think we're going to be able to see what these kids are able to accomplish and the way that they're able to raise an intentional mindsets. Mm-hmm not just for themselves, but again for Jesus. And yeah. that, that part's exciting. That's kind of what, what gets me up in the morning sure. to come to work because sure. we do want what's best for the child, but we're here to partner with Christian parents to help make disciples of Christ and nurture, educate, and equip. All of that, I would say, can continue to happen and will happen, but we, we're going to have to do it one step at a time. Yeah, that's awesome. That was, it's, it's great food for thought. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, by the way, I just want to be clear None of that's really my original thought. That's just me <laughs> disseminating what I what I what I've learned. Yeah. But it does. It motivates me. It motivates our board. Yeah. Um, because you know our board's job is to really look at, at the you know when these kids are parents are we positioning and doing a good job of, of stewarding what we have for that next generation, and and this just is, is a motivator towards that. Definitely. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Happy to. Thanks for asking and. Uh, parents, if you ever want to talk more about it, I'm happy to. If there's something in there that you think, man, you know, he, he seems really off the mark, happy to talk more. Again, um, these guys are, are some of my friends that were talking others. Uh, it was the first time I got to hear them, but uh, it's not my own work. Uh, it's definitely those, those are um, others, but they, they definitely have fostered a lot of thought thought there. So, But you've got some great administrators that are learning this as well and, and are excited to bring this back. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, next time we're going to be sitting down with Jay Sklar. Yes. Yes. He will be on November 1st. Okay. Um, and he is going to talk to us about how we look at God's law as a flourishing, as something that helps us flourish. And then ultimately, how do we translate that to our kids, um, whether that be through the consequences that we give or even just them understanding the law, um, and it kind of goes to what we were talking about yeah, um, yeah, a little sure. bit, that, that God does place structures and boundaries around us, and that's for our flourishing, wow. not for our imprisonment. So he um, did a lot of work in Leviticus, um, which is not for the faint of heart, so yeah, he's going to talk, talk a little bit about that, so that should be a fun podcast for us. Right. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise. Well, parents, again, thanks for listening. If more comes up and you want us to discuss, uh, let us know. But we appreciate all the lessons, and we hope to hear from you soon. All right, bye.